Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. This morning, my talk is called this. Hey, don't forget what's coming soon. Hey, don't forget what's coming soon. Good, you are awake. Excellent. I do like to check before we start. <clears throat> now, look, I've got a question for you. What's your memory like? Rubbish. Okay. It's good. Malcolm, you're not saying your memory's good, are you? <laughs> not after this morning, surely not. <laughs> I have to say, my, my memory is distinctly average. And um, <clears throat> there are times when it's very much below average. And uh, it can be very inconvenient when my memory doesn't function very well, particularly when I'm asked to pray for someone and I'm introduced, hello, this is, you know, Fred. And uh, then you start to chat to them a little bit. And then you say, okay, well, tell me, you tell me what's going on. And you, they chat to you. And then you say, right, well, let's pray. And then you close your eyes and you launch off and you say, Lord, I pray for, um, for, um, and then you keep one eye open, don't you? What's their name? What's their name? I can't remember. Everyone's got their eyes shut. You think, oh, I pray for this person and pray that and just you know oh it just drives you mad and have you ever stood in front of the cash point and completely forgotten your pin number no one's ever done that oh, okay oh one has this or have you sat in front of your your bank you know at home on online and you thought right i am going to have a little look at my account and you confidently put in your passcode you know square bubbles there it is and it says no and you think Capes square bubbles, no. Capes square bubbles one, <laughs> no. No, would you like another go? Yes, I do want another go. Square bubbles one, two, no. Oh, you think, and, and I, at this point, I tend to have a conversation with my PC at that point, and I say to it, now, <clears throat> I'd just like to remind you, PC, that the point of a, 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 a password is to keep other people out of my account, not me. Uh, but all, the, all you're doing at the moment is keeping me out. And then you have to go through all that kind of stuff, don't you? We forget stuff. That's the point I'm trying to make. We forget stuff. We really do. And actually, so did those Corinthians that we've been looking at. And um, it's interesting that... Um, I haven't read the scriptures with you, have I? <laughs> do you know what? I've just proved my point, haven't I, there? Okay, <clears throat> before I, I start this preach, I need a holiday, I'm on holiday next week. Let's read some scripture together. <laughs> okay, there's quite a lot to read. <laughs> so it's going up there. <laughs> okay, here we go. So this is all from 1 Corinthians 15. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, so there's the reminding bit, which you received and in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised to the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, although some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. We'll move on. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God. 
Because we testified that God, about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is not true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then even Christ, uh, then even Christ, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been, been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each according to his own order. Christ the first fruits, and then at his coming those who belong to Christ. And then comes the end. And when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power, he must and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, but what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this, this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Just an amazing chapter. I recommend you read. I've just given you selected uh, highlights there. But do read the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 15. Amazing stuff. But actually, where Paul is starting from, as I began to tell you, is really this bit when he says, Now, brothers, I would remind you, that's a great phrase that I remind you. I used to work for a boss, an editor. Uh, it was a very good editor. He was a Scottish guy. And uh, he was very good at doing his job as the editor. But he did forget stuff. I mean, he was worse than me. And, uh, he, he, but he never would say to me, Adam, I've forgotten. He'd always say something like, um, just remind me of the detail of that. <laughs> just remind me, uh, Adam, of the detail will you of that one. <laughs> And I thought, yeah, okay, Jack, you've forgotten, haven't you? And here is Paul having to come to these Corinthians saying, uh, now, guys, I just want to remind you of something. Because the reality is we forget stuff, and sometimes we, we forget the reality of what we've come into. Actually, what he's doing is he's preaching the gospel to them all over again, to Christians. <clears throat> now, it may be that when you first became a Christian, you came into something in particular, you think back to when you first became a Christian. What was particularly vivid to you then? It may be that you came into a real understanding 
that your sin was forgiven. You understood that particularly clearly. Maybe, maybe that's what you, you got when you first became a Christian. But as time has gone on, life has happened, maybe you've made a couple of mistakes, you're not quite so sure anymore. Well, you know, it was clear, but, but now it's not so much. Sometimes, you know, we just stop believing what's true. And we need to hear the gospel preached again. And actually what's happened with the Corinthians is that they have stopped believing in the resurrection of the dead. I mean, how do you be a Christian and not believe in the resurrection of the dead? But here they are, Christians, saying, well, I'm not sure that the dead are raised. So Paul is having to point out to them, that means you don't believe Jesus was raised from the dead then. That's, what, that's the point they've got to. Now, why have they got to this point, these Corinthians? Why have they got to this point? Why would they so quickly have backed away? Well, the commentators would say this, that uh, there was um, a, uh, a, a concept, a philosophy, that was uh, in Greek thinking. And, and, of course, Corinthian society is based on Greek thinking. And the Greeks had been discussing this question, is it possible for a dead person to be raised to life again for the last hundred years. They'd actually had that conversation. You know, they loved to talk about ideas. And they'd got to the point, and they'd all said to each other, no, it's not possible. And that's very strong, very strong among them. That's why when Paul goes to Athens, he gets such a bad time, because that's the center of Greek thought, and they start mocking him for his belief in the resurrection of the dead. And, and the Corinthians now have gone out to their society, their friends, and they've said, let me tell you about Christianity. Jesus was raised from the dead. And they've all said, yeah, but we're Greek, so we struggle with that idea. And what's happened is that the church in Corinth now is thinking, oh, we're not getting a very good response. So I tell you what, we'll try and change the gospel a bit. We'll try and present this bit of the gospel, which we think you might like, and this bit about Jesus being raised from the dead, well, we'll put that to the back of the pile. And they're trying to make the gospel relevant to their society. A bit too relevant, really. And actually what's happened uh, also for, for some of them is that they've actually thought, yeah, perhaps we don't believe that after all. Their society is beginning to influence what they believe, and it's beginning to rob them of their faith. Do you see what's going on here? You know, our society will try and do the same to us with our faith, won't it? It will come along, and I think increasingly over, over recent years, I think some in our society have begun to laugh at the claims of Christianity. And they will, I think atheistic voices have got louder, and they, what they will seek to do is try and rob you of your faith and your hope. And they'll shout stuff like this at you. There is no life after physical death. This is all there is, so make the most of this, because there's nothing coming later. Have you heard that from friends? Yeah, I bet you have. They're trying, it seems, to wipe away everything that the Bible says will happen after death, after our physical death. So today, I'm going to try and counter that. And I'm going to counter that by reminding us of what the Bible tells us 
will happen after you and I physically die? What's going to happen to us at that point? That's of interest to us, isn't it? And actually, we have a hope. We have a hope. The Bible talks about the hope of glory. There is glory. It's already been talked about this morning. Actually, Christians, can I say, this is what we hope for. This is the hope that we have. And it's meant to bring encouragement. It's meant to bring strength. And very powerfully, it's meant to bring peace to you. Peace. Some of you today fear death. You're frightened of it. And when you hear about death, it makes you frightened for yourself. Truth will set you free. You do not, Christians, have to fear death. That's the biblical truth. We do not have to fear it. So let's be free from the fear of death today. Just get rid of it, because we don't have to. This bit of our life is a tiny fraction of what is to come. Our existence will go on for eons. I don't exactly know what an eon is, but it sounds long, so I'll go for that. We will go on for eons. Our, our existence on earth is a tiny fraction of, of who we are. So what did Jesus say to us was going was gonna to happen? Well, he said this, I have come to give you eternal life. Jesus came to give us eternal life. I mean, that's a pretty big claim. Would you like eternal life or not? Uh, yes, I would, I think. He said this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes him should not, in him should not perish, but have eternal life. He said that in John 3. John 5, he says something similar again. He says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. This is an awesome claim. Next chapter, John 6, this is what Jesus said. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him should have, and I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus is really clear. There is an existence after your physical death. Your culture will tell you that there isn't. Jesus says, yes, there is. Let's be clear about it. You see, if we're not clear about it, we will adopt our, the cultural values that exist. I want you to be clear. There is an eternal life for those who believe in Christ. Let's get this deep into us. Deep into us. Let's understand it. It's true. And uh, I just want to point out the obvious. But eternal life, you know what? It goes on and on <laughs> and on. Oh, and on and on and on. Forever. Aeon. Aeon. I thought that was an insurance company, Eon. <laughs> oh, that would help me, actually. Yeah, it, it, I think... This word, eternal, eternity, eternity, is hard for us to get hold of because everything in our current existence has a beginning and an end. The breakfast you had this morning has a beginning and an end. 
Ian's probably still on his, but never mind. He's, uh, he's uh, yeah, the, the, the car that you've bought has a beginning and end. The clothes that you wear have a beginning and end. This sermon will have. I've got to speak on encouragement later on, I think. <laughs> it's hard to grasp eternity because we don't have a model of it. The only thing eternal that we see is God. Everything else, even taxes, is, is limited. So the Bible tells us, it tells us something else that's very hard to grasp. It, God tells us that the place where we are to go will be incredibly wonderful. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says this, No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That's saying our eyes, ears, and mind are not currently sufficient to grasp what is to come. We don't have a model on earth that we can say, oh yeah, it'll be like that. It's not good enough. They're always insufficient, those models. I was trying to think of an example, and this is the silly example I've come up with. Imagine you're having a conversation with a fish. And uh, uh, fish, I'm sure you'll agree, have limited brain function and uh, by reputation have an incredibly short memory, two seconds or something. So actually just having the conversation would be a bit of a trial, but you know, come with me, okay, on this. And imagine you're saying to this fish, okay, uh, Mr. Fish, I've just got you out of the water and um, I'm gonna, we're going to walk down the road together and uh, you're, I'm going to strap you into an aeroplane and you're going to take off and you're going to fly at 30,000 feet uh, and you'll be moving at hundreds of miles an hour, and then you do a, a little bit, and then you'll land it again, and then I'll put you back in your goldfish bowl. I mean, if you could have the conversation with the fish, it would be saying, what, what do you mean by takeoff? I don't understand. What do you mean flight? What do you mean by hundreds of miles an hour? What do you mean flying at 30,000 feet? It's just so many questions. This fish would be saying, actually, you couldn't even have the conversation. Guys, we're the fish. Sorry about that. In terms of our understanding, I, I think God is saying, you won't grasp this, but let me tell you, it is awesomely good. I'm afraid we're going to have to boil down the wonder of God to awesomely good. Awesome. Awesome. That's what's coming. That's what's coming. Another occasion, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, hey, I am going before you, and I'm going to prepare some rooms in my father's house for you. I just love that imagery. That's great. What that is saying is God is saying, I have already thought about eternity for you. I have already prepared a place for you. It, 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 you haven't been forgotten. You're not going to turn up and somebody with a list is going to come to you and say, Northcroft, Northcroft. Uh, not many Northcrofts here. I've got a Rachel Northcroft. <laughs> no, no. Have we got a North? Uh, is it? Uh, mm, oh, we haven't got a room ready for you yet. Hang on. Uh, can, can he share a room? <laughs> that criminal who was saved at the end there. Can he share with him? No, it's not going to work like that. God is saying... I have a place prepared for you. I don't know whether you've thought about your eternity. God has. God has prepared a place. 
There are no mysteries. It, and, and the other thing about that, it's home. It's not going to be like your first day at school where you come and you stand and say, excuse me, sir, where's the loo? What do I do? How do I? No, you've just gone home. You're home. You're not going to get overlooked or forgotten. Some of us quietly dread that. Yes, I know I'm saved, but I might, I might be the one that gets forgotten. No, I've got a room for you. Lastly, I want to talk about this. The Bible says this. One day, you will be glorified. It's a very specific Bible word. We've looked at a number of words. Sanctification. We've looked at justification. And in that run of words, there is this last word called glorification. And it's a Bible word. And it's the day when you will be given a new body. There is a day coming when, as a believer, you will be given a new body. See, Jesus doesn't just want to redeem our souls, although he does do that. Redemption includes our bodies. Romans 8, we wait for the redemption of our bodies. And the reality is the body you have at the moment, however hard you work at it, or or don't, (laughs) it's not fit for eternal life. It's just not good enough. It's good for a few years here on earth. It'll do you very well for that. But actually, uh, Paul says this, doesn't it? Uh, um, let Let me open it up. He says this. He says, brothers, flesh and blood, this body, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable, this body, inherit the imperishable. This new body we're going to be given, it's going to be perfect. You're going to be given a perfect body. Let me tell you this, your new body that you get will never ache. Will never ache. When you, when you get up from the floor, your knees won't go click. Oh. Or you won't get to the top of the stairs and think, oh, thank goodness for that. You won't do that. There will be no sickness, no pain. And no death. Why do we struggle with sickness and pain and death? We struggle with it because we were never designed for it. And in heaven, we are going to home. That's our home. And in at home, that stuff doesn't happen. It's just incredible. We are going to have bodies, the Bible says, will be raised in glory, imperishable bodies. It's good news. It really is good news. So however good you've got it right now, however wealthy you are, it is nothing compared to what is to come. In fact, the Christians are described as strangers and exiles in Hebrews 11. Did you know you are a stranger and an exile? You are not at home right now. We are passing through a foreign land. And we are encountering stuff that is not natural to us. And we long for something else. That's clearly what the Bible is unpacking here. This is temporary. We're in a temporary place of residence. 
The, Hebrew, uh, the writer of the Hebrews says, people of faith are seeking a homeland, a better country, a heavenly one. If you've ever thought there's got to be something better than this, who's ever thought that? There's got to be something better than this. It's because that's right. There is something better than this. There is something infinitely better than this. Don't make your home here. Don't make your nest here. Don't invest your hope here. Don't say, oh, you know, it's all is good here now, thank you. This is a tiny bit of your existence. Don't have a short-term mentality. Lastly, just want to say this. Don't get robbed. Don't get robbed of the hope that I've just tried to put in front of you. Don't get robbed of the promise of eternal life. An atheist will not know what this promise is. He will not have a, a hope like this in his heart. That's why death is awful to an atheist. It's the end of everything. To a believer, it's just the beginning of another phase of glory. Don't get robbed of that hope. Don't set your focus here. We're going to be in new bodies one day. That's hard, actually, sometimes to grow up. Really? I mean, we, yeah, that's what the Bible says. One day, you're going to be with Jesus forever. It's going to be glorious. It's the hope of glory that we have within us. Don't let the cynics and the doubters get to you. Last thing I want to say is this. We don't have to fear death. Can I repeat that? You don't have to fear death. You've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you're, you're listening to this thinking, well, I don't know anything about this. You can. I want to say that. If, if you have never encountered this Lord of glory that I've been talking about, God is not exclusive. The offer of eternal life is made to every single one of you. And if you've never received him, you can today. And I want to urge you, if you've never received his gift, it's not hard is it? All you've got to do is say, Jesus, please include me. I believe in you. Please forgive me for the sin that I have committed, the things I've done wrong. Please make me right before you, and I want to know you. That's all you've got to do. He's not far away. So if you've never received Jesus, in fact, can we just close our eyes right now? you've never received Christ and you want to, can you just put your hand up? If you've never received Christ and you want to, I'm not going to embarrass you publicly. I'm just, just going to ask, just going to pray with you. Okay, there might be somebody here who wants to do that. Come and see me afterwards then. Okay, if you know you have a fear of death, can I ask you just to put your hand up? Yeah, okay, there are a number of you. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I pray for the reality of eternal life to crash into our hearts. Lord, I want to ask you that we will live <clears throat> with this hope in our mind and not with the fear of an end, not with the fear that we are going to be left behind. Thank you that you are faithful and true. We've been singing that this morning. You are faithful, O oh God. And when you said eternal life is for us, that's what you meant. So I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, would you bring truth to bring freedom from fear in the name of Jesus? Father, would you come reveal yourself, particularly to the folks that have put their hands up? 
Father, I ask that we would live fear-free in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay. Let's live it. Let's believe it. Let's go with it.